Hello everyone and welcome to part three of Film Music Media's second annual symposium. My name is Kaya Savas. I'm the founder of Film Music Media. We have an amazing panel here tonight of great guests, uh, composers and storytellers, and we're going to talk about all their individual projects and everything in between. So let's uh, jump in and introduce our panel. Uh, first up, he is the composer for the Venezuelan film Plastico and the co-composer for the documentary Explant, which premiered at Tribeca. Please welcome Sandro Morales-Santoro. Welcome, Sandro. Uh, hey, Ross, great uh, to be here. Thanks, guys. Yes, thanks for joining us. Uh, next, uh, she is the composer for the documentary Invisible Nation. Uh, please welcome Waisan Su. Hi, Waisan. Hi. Nice to meet you. All right. So uh, next, he is the composer for the HBO Max and Cartoon Network Latin America animated series, Frank Elda's Book of Spooks. Please welcome Kevin Smithers. Hey, everyone. Hey, Kevin. All right, but last but not least, they are the composers for Netflix's Luis Miguel, the series, and Amazon's Maradona Blessed Dream. Please welcome uh, Camilo uh, Freudeval and Dan Slotnick. Hey, guys. Hello, everyone. Everybody. Great to be here. All right. Um, so let's uh, start. Uh, Kevin, I want to I want to talk to you. Uh, Frank Hilda's book uh, of spooks is a unique project because it has spooky themes made for a younger audience. Um, and I know exactly where it comes from. I work at Cartoon Network Studios in Burbank. Uh, we have a show called Victor and Valentino, kind of similar in the horror genre. So I'm curious, just from your take, how do you find that balance in composition and make something that can be still engaging for that for that audience? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually, I actually worked with Arturo on Victor and Valentino in each episode. Oh, you do? So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very familiar <laughs> with the show. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny it's a funny thing because um, you know the project was really meant to be enjoyed by everyone, not just for kids. So right. the the line on making it fun for everyone was kind of established by the by the development team, by the creators, uh, by the showrunners, and. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that like the music should never be dumbed down just because a project is yeah. meant for kids because kids can be kids are, are way more receptive and smart than some people give them credit for. And um, so I kind of go all out, even if it's a kid's show, you know, I never restrain myself. And with the spookiness, um, there's two things. I think sometimes when things are getting a little weird and spooky, maybe dialing it down to the more kind of fantasy and adventure side of things is a, is a safe way to do it. Uh, in this particular show, because we had the, the fortune that we had musical numbers, uh, that kind of naturally kind of made it a little bit more light and fun, I think for yeah. the kids when things were starting to get a little creepy. So in a way, I feel like the show kind of managed to like navigate that pretty well on its own. And I just kind of like went with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with that statement completely because, you know, I, I grew up watching a lot of Don Bluth films, you know, Land Before Time and stuff like that. And, you know, he always would say, don't, you know, your ch children, don't dumb it down for kids, like treat them as adults. Their emotions right. are real and valid and everything. I, yeah, totally agree with that. Um, so uh, let's go over to Dan and Milo. Uh, I want to talk to you about your score for the Netflix series, Luis Miguel, the series. Uh, for some background, Luis Miguel is one of the best-selling Latin artists of the 90s, having sold around 60 million records uh, worldwide. What was it like working on a project for such an iconic musical artist, and how did this influence the score, since they, you know, have kind of a musical language of their own, and how did that kind of trickle down to your work? Well, the, like, the first thing we were, like, trying to, to figure out is how, how much, like, music do, you, do we need in a show that has so much music you know has a lot right. of songs they re, re, reproduce the whole like catalog of music for for Luis Miguel the, the lead actor Diego Boneta did 
record all the songs again. So there was a lot of music already. And we like tried many different ways to approach the, the show. And the, the, the thing that it like, was like sticking to the image, the better was like a pretty much a minimalistic, like, mm. just like trying not to make the show like, like a novella, you know, like it's, it's a show in Latin America. We are used to novellas. So we were trying to, to not to tell anything in the music. So we're really cool, really cold, like trying not to say anything. And it kind of worked because the, the show it's, it's yeah. more interesting now and, and it's a little bit more mysterious. Even when it's the, like the life of someone that we all know, like in, I mean, in Latin America, mainly in Mexico. So yeah, that was like the, the first struggle and how we managed to solve it. Um, uh, Oysan, I, I wanna jump over to you. Your, uh, your next project, uh, Invisible Nation, follows the first female president of Taiwan, uh, Tsai Ing-wen and Taiwan's struggle for human rights, democracy and inclusion. How do you keep the score authentic to the Taiwanese culture and its time period? Um, I think being authentic to the culture is important, especially when the history and fact, and whether we um, fully understand the culture or we do a lot of researches. And uh, in, in case you don't know, uh, Taiwan, for the past 400 years, Taiwan has been colonized. Um, by Dutch, Spanish, and Japanese until 1945. And then the current government took over, then it transformed from dictatorship to democracy. So it has developed um, Taiwanese um, identity, cultural identity. So part of this film explains that part of history. And I have the uh, advantages because I was born in Taiwan. So I naturally know how to make that part uh, authentic. But this, this film is not just about Taiwan because it uh, is also about like how the foreign policy decisions like made globally and between US and China impact uh, the Taiwanese people. So I was excited because I get to score a US film about Taiwan, and then I get to score the other part of the world. Um, it really covers a lot of like historical archives. It has like from uh, Kennedy to Nixon to, to Carter. So I get to score some like 70s sync score when uh, US diplomacy in the 70s. Yeah, And then it just, just when I thought, oh, great, I got the Taiwan part covered, and then I got the rest of the world covered, they decided to uh, re-edit part of the uh, chronologically. <laughs> that means, oh, all of a sudden you, you're here in Taiwan, and the next second they, they take you to U.S. and then back, and then take you to U.N. So it's, it became even more challenging because yeah. to stay authentic, but then it's like, the, the, it's really fast paced. So I have to uh, figure a way to stay authentic, but make the transition as smooth as possible and help the audience to understand the film better. Yeah, I mean, it that must be, I mean, it sounds fun. It sounds like you got to dip your, you know, your toes in different cultures and different sounds and everything. Yeah. So that must've been, oh, I mean, for, I mean, it sounds fun as a creative person for sure. <laughs> Um, I, was, uh, I want to jump over to Sandro. Uh, Sandro, you, you worked on the feature film Plastico by young Venezuelan director Veronica Kompalik. Uh, the film itself threads the line between drama and dark humor as it explores the military culture in Venezuela under Hugo Chavez's uh, government rule. 
I wonder if you could tell us more about this project and how did you approach the score for it? Hey, thanks, Gaia. So uh, it's I'm going to say it's like the most uh, unique experience I've had as a composer. Um, Plastico is a film, you know, without giving too much away, you know, it's a satire about um, the military culture in Venezuela since uh, Chavez took over uh, over 20 years ago. And, you know, it's it's of course Chavez passed away and it's been like the same party ruling right. uh, ever since. Um, and, you know, being from Venezuela, you know, I'm very aware of, of, of what, what goes on. You know, I've been, I've been living here in the States for, for over a decade, but, you know, I've been constantly going and, you know, and staying on top of the news and everything. So, you know, it's, um, say it's just very, very interesting. It, it goes, it, it's a film that, um, at times, you know, it feels like a mockumentary, you know, you hear the voice of the of the actual director in the film giving instructions, you know, because it's like, it's as if the the military, uh, a general, a military general is, uh, it's shooting a documentary, you know, to show the world what, um, how great the, the Venezuelan military, you know, with the current party is, you know, so, um, and, and the soldiers that he's commanding are actually hired actors in the reality of the film so you know it's right. it's very very unique it's very different it goes in and out of like you know it's very meta it's very aware of itself um so so you know for me um first time working with with veronica who's a genius director and, and an amazing writer you know she wrote this script and um it was you know us composers we usually hate a temp track you know, I'm sure you've heard this. Oh yeah, many, many times. Composer I've interviewed because yeah. uh, you know we all feel trapped with it. In this case, you know, I got this film, no temp track, first time working on something like this. I don't have a lot of. I mean, I've watched mockumentaries and I've watched a lot of dramas and yeah, some comedy, but then like having something that's like all of these things together, and then it's like Venezuela, and you know, we we I had to like edit a temp track in in order yeah. to like figure out you know like how we're gonna make this work and you know like show you know different kinds of music to uh, to my director and like have her like you know have a sense of what what music could do with with the with the drama of it so you know it's it was really unique uh, a really unique experience for a very interested and in, in original film um and um i'm very happy with the score you know we got to record a 24 piece uh choir in in budapest with budapest oh, wow. budapest scoring they did an amazing job i mean most of the of the score is just that um in some places we have some south american instruments like venezuelan cuatro and uh, ron rocco and then we have like synths here and there um and uh, i i'm not a cello player but i i recorded like some weird cello effects and like prepared stuff and uh and yeah i mean it's it's it was a lot of fun you know a lot of uh, exploration experimentation and you know it's you know it's it's an amazing uh, project i'm very happy about it that sounds amazing and i'm glad that you had a, a positive temp track experience because i know it's rare but I've, I've also talked with composers who actually enjoy it because if it's used correctly you can really help shape a film and and put everyone in the same conversation it's a, it's one of those producers get stuck on it and go no make it exactly like that that's when it's a problem <laughs> yeah no i th i agree i mean it's super super useful it's a, it's a useful tool yeah. as long as you know they don't get you know they don't fall in love with, yeah. with what's there you know and, and they give you the freedom uh it should always be used as a tool to just like figure out 
um, the emotional beats of the of the of the scene or a specific of or, or a specific scene, and then just like taking those um, as as a framework, and and then just like putting your your own voice and originality and just like making it hopefully better, you know. Absolutely. Well, um, I want to now kind of uh, jump to everyone. We'll go just down the line. Uh, we have such an amazing panel here. Everyone has, you know, a different background, a different story, a, a, you know, different life experience here. So I'm, I'm just curious, how do all of your backgrounds influence the work that you do and the music you create? I know you're kind of putting on a maybe a mask when you're when you're writing for a film because you're trying to do something that's not too personal. But I'm sure as artists, you want part of you to be in that music. So I'm curious how your backgrounds really kind of influence how you write and how you you see music and how you see storytelling. So I'd love to we can just go back to Kevin. If, Kevin, if you want to kick us off. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think part of, at least for me, is, um, you know, I, I am Mexican, even though my name doesn't really seem like it. I was raised, uh, born and raised in Mexico City, but then I had, you know, an opportunity to go and study in England, and then I went to Spain for a year, and then I came here to LA. So I've been kind of jumping around a lot. And I think that kind of jumping around and listening to how different people make music in different countries kind of helped a little bit inform the way I write music. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I am Mexican and I love certain things about traditional Mexican music, but I don't really incorporate that into my musical language as much, or at least not in the way that a lot of people think, but mm -hmm. it is there. It's just yeah. a little more subtle. It's not like the mariachi thing, you know, playing <laughs> guitarron, which a lot of people think, oh, it's Mexican music, you know? It's not that, but it's certainly, it's certainly there and it informs the way I write music, at least for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, let's hop over to you. I've been like, like a session player and, and, and I like performer for many years. Like I was like, prior to, to start composing with Milo, I was playing like 180 shows a year for ten, almost 10 years. And I think the most thing I get, like I got from that experience is like, working together you know like if you play in a show and you're like you're traveling with a band or way you're playing with an artist and you're like it's like a, like a, i don't know a part of a team it's i think that's that that helps you and that tells you how to like play with other guys and how and and now it's like how to like compose with other people how to like talk with a composer with another composer with a, with the musicians with you know whoever like the director the producer like it's, it's it's easy to be part of a team and like scoring a film is being part of a team is like we are like a huge soccer team we are only like the goalkeeper or whatever like some right. some people they are the the, the the guys that making the the kicks i think i'm the goalkeeper yeah. so, but but yeah I, I think that's that's my my background made me a good team player and I'm really, I think I, I'm really aware of, about what's happening with all the team. I really like, I'm sorry, that's my cut. Uh, I really like being like in these huge meetings with everybody, with, with the guys from BFX, like shouting that they need more time. And like, you know, like everybody complaining about time or budget or whatever. I think that's, it's great to be part and to know exactly how this thing that is like, living and he's like it's about to born how it's been like developed so i think that that's my my what, what my background got me and absolutely was, yeah yeah uh milo let's uh, go over to you how, how does your background and you know who you are kind of influence your music 
a very important background that is I'm a rock producer too. You know, I have mm. this old two faces going around all my life, you know, producing albums and making score. And that helped me a lot, you know, to understand the sound, how to record better, uh, to, to understand the technical part of recording too, you know. I can mix, I can record, I can arrange, I can compose. So I learned a lot of things. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, Waisan, let's uh, go over to you. you. You kind of talked about it a little bit already that you, you know, uh, composing the score for for your for your film. But um, talk about more about how your your personal journey and who you are kind of influences your music. Um, train. I play uh, piano and clarinet, and then I came to the states to study jazz because I'm interested in jazz and then step into film scoring. So um, because of, like I mentioned before, like Taiwan is a, a uh, culture melting pot. So yeah. I, I tend to, I love to work with people from have like different background and learn from them and learn from their culture. And because of all of this, I think it, it enriched my uh, musical language when I work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sandro, uh, let's uh, finish off with you and, and talk about your background and how it influences you. Of course. Um, I think, first of all, um, you know, like already Kevin and, and Camilo said, uh, you know, my I'm from Venezuela, so that has definitely influenced me uh, greatly. And um, even though I, I'm not I was never part of this of El Sistema in Venezuela. If you know what that is, it's like the the orchestral, you know, the youth youth orchestra movement in Venezuela, which is very successful and 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 popular. Uh, I wasn't part of that, but I had a lot of experience, you know, uh, writing arrangements and recording with them. Um, so back home, I was I had like a band, and I would play rock and grunge in the in the '90s, and then would write and you know record arrangements with musicians from El Sistema, you know, and uh, so um, when I got to college here in the States, you know, I had this whole mixture already and I and I felt like I was a mostly an orchestral composer, but like being in, a, in another country, I wanted to, I felt even more compelled to like study my, you know, like the Venezuelan music, you know, my roots, you know, and, and South American rhythms and all that. And, uh, and what I ended up playing more uh, you know, at Berkeley College of Music, when I went where, where I went to school, uh, was just like Venezuelan music, you know. And I tried to like mix that with orchestra and stuff. And then I moved to LA, and here in LA, when, when I first got here, it's like the projects that were available to me didn't have a budget for an orchestra. So like it right. was like time to like figure out, okay, what 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 am I gonna do? So I started playing guitar, which I which I hadn't taken up till then. I started like investing on synthesizers and like got into that whole world uh, just to make my my scores, you know, sound more organic and more, you know, real in a, in a way, you know, even though, you know, saying like it's going to sound more real with a synthesizer is kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird, it's kind of contradictory, but but I feel like like it is that way. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I, I don't know, it's like every every step of the way has has taken me has has shaped who I am as a composer and right now, like whenever I have a chance to record an orchestra, I try to like mix it with synthesizers and it's like, if I can bring 
a South American instrument. And even if it's in a way that doesn't necessarily feel South American or ethnic, mm. you know, I'm going to yeah. try to do it just like, because it has become like part of my sound, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, Dan, when you were giving your answer, you, you brought up a great point about being on a team and, you know, everyone has a role. You saw yourself as the goalie. So, I mean, all of you work on a collaborative in a collaborative field. Uh, and I know a lot of your, the time you guys spent alone is kind of in a room with your thoughts, but you're working with producers and musicians and people on your music team. So I'm curious if you had one tip to give, like one piece of advice about what it's, how to like kind of successfully work as part of a group and kind of foster a great collaborative relationship. What would that advice be? Like over your years, I'm sure you've met some pretty bad personalities, some fun personalities, uh, but kind of from your experiences, what is the key to having a great collaborative uh, kind of relationship with everyone around you. So I can we jump back to Kevin if you want to start us off. Yeah, sure. I mean, isn't that the million dollar question? Um, <laughs> I, f I feel like for me, it has worked just to always kind of go back to the story and like, you know, I feel like sometimes the reason that, that people clash a little bit if there's like there's like big egos burning into a room and then those egos start clashing. And then if you try to walk into a room and leave your ego at the door and ask people to do the same and just do whatever's best for the story that you're trying to tell. I feel like some of the some of the most successful creative process that I've had happen like that. When people yeah. allow themselves to be a little vulnerable and just like, hey, what are we gonna do for this project? What is it gonna be? Do we need to throw all this music away and start over? Do we need to do this and carry on with what we're doing? And and I feel like when you do that, people tend to, to react pretty well and move the things forward. Um, that's been that's been the case in my experience at least. Absolutely, uh, goalie Dan. How about you talk us how to, how is <laughs> it mean, being on a on a football team and making sure it all works? <laughs> I well, uh, the, the first thing is the ego. I'm I'm totally agree with yeah. with Kevin. But I think the other two more things probably like hear more than than talk. Like mm, everybody listen, has something yeah. to say. Yeah, listen to to everybody. And maybe like there's some people probably in every project that knows a lot more than you of the story you are trying to tell. So they probably there's if you can talk to the writer, if you can talk to I don't I don't know whatever the guys that were like in the beginning of the shooting, like all those guys have something to say that is amazing. And the other thing is like not to like not to take anything personal. If they say that this cue is not good, they are not saying that you're a bad composer or bad musician or like bad person or like, uh, I don't know, whatever. Right. It's like that, it's just that that cue, maybe it's great music and it can be used in another thing, but now in this story and this context is not working. And it has, has not to be like personal. You have to like be really cool about like thinking that they're, they're, everybody is like trying to tell the story in the, the best way possible. So yeah, that, that, that would be my yeah, Absolutely. Um, Milo, how about you? How have you figured out to make a great collaborative environment? I, I agree with, with Kevin and with Dan. The parent about being a rock producer is I had to deal with a lot of rock stars, you know? Yeah. And they are probably very touchy people, you know, saying <laughs> this is this, you you sang that badly or that guitar lick is not good. They kind of weird when you say that in, in the studio. So I learned how to how to say, it, you know, how to say it, not um, say the thing, but in in another way, you know. 
The other thing is, you know, what Isan said is music is about learning, you know, from other people all the time. And that's it's the most beautiful thing the music has. You know, it's about feelings and it's about learning. You know, you never stop learning here. Nobody has reason in music. You know, it's about learn and learn more and more. That's it for me. It's the, it's the key. Try to learn all the time. You know. Absolutely. No, that's well said. Um, Waisan, uh, for you, how have you fostered a collaborative uh, environment in your work? Uh, I agree. Everyone just said. And <laughs> I think good communication is always the key and yeah. being supportive, understand the vision and because especially for film scoring is always serving the film. So it's less about music, it's more about the film and um, make sure they know there to help them to make the best film possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And Sandra, uh, finish us off. Well, of course. for you, what, what, what makes it a collaborative environment that works? Well, um, I mean, I'll go back to what Kevin said, uh, leaving the, your ego at the door is the first mm -hmm. thing. Uh, it's not about the music, it's about the project. And um, I, I did something, I had an experience a few years ago where I, I co-wrote a script and put together a crew with a director friend of mine in Venezuela. We went there in the middle of nowhere, we shot a short film, you know, my wife's an actress. We went there and then, you know, shot a short film. Uh, for two days, um, went through the whole, I, I took over, you know, post-production, you know, um, hiring people, you know, found investors, like did the whole thing and then got to music. And I, and I, and you know, this was like, the music was like the shortest and easiest thing, I guess. Uh, I mean, I was still dealing with, dealing with the director <laughs> for sure. And, and I would like follow her direction and everything. Um, but but it just made me made me feel you know music is super important it can for sure change how a, a scene feels and what it tells the audience and and you know but but you know there's so much to to the film you know and like there's so many people involved in so many so many things that can go wrong at any time and and like the production yeah. can completely die you know at any given point um so so you know when it gets to you you know you have to like understand that it's 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 this the the film is this collaborative thing that that you just happen to give your little you know grain of sal of sand to hopefully make it a little bit better you know so like you know whatever reservations you might have about about the story wherever you might want feel like it needs to go where it, 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 it sort of irrelevant you know you have to like row you know the same way that everyone has been rowing you know throughout you know the writers and the director and the producers and you know the colorists and like it's like it's just a collaborative effort you know like like dan said you know it's a team and we all have the same uh goal you know so so yeah that's something that i that i recommend to like all of the composers that I, that, that i know you know like go do it even if it's like a one day shoot with an iphone and just like get people involved and like have the experience of what it is and then you know because i i feel like i i see this whole thing like completely different in a different way you know in a different light since since i did that yeah absolutely um so there's one question that i want to pitch again to everybody that i really love asking composers and it's simply where does the first note come from i'm, I'm curious what 
kind of pulls that first idea out of you? What in, I know it's going to differ from project to project, but what typically do you gravitate towards? Do you like to see the first cut of the film? Do you like to read the script if you're on that early? Do you like to speak with the director? What's kind of your process in kind of generating that first little bit of uh, ideas that are coming out of your out of your head? So, and we'll, we'll jump back to Kevin to start us off. Uh, kind of where does that first note come from? Sure. Um, I mean, I feel like every project is different, but 100% of the times that happens away from the keyboard, away from any mm. musical instrument, away from the picture, any of that. I want to see whatever, I mean, ideally, I want to see whatever they have. If it's a script, if it's a cut, if it's a storyboard, whatever. <clears throat> I like working early, as early as possible, because I like writing music to an abstract rather than like, like a, a, an exact cut that they have. Because like writing right. music away from picture allows me to get the, ab the abstract, like the core of what the project is. And once I sort of figure what that is musically, it's way faster and easier to write a picture because you already have those themes down and the vibe of the music and the whatnot. Um, and my 90% of the times, the initial like spark of like, oh, that's cool. I think I want to do that <clears throat> is away from the keyboards, kind of when I'm just thinking in the shower or in the bathroom or doing the dishes or doing something like mm -hmm. that. And I'm kind of like percolating and thinking about it for days and then you get that idea and you go like, oh, that would be cool. And then you go to the keyboard and put it, kind of put it down. That's kind of how I always start. Because uh, if I sit down on the keyboard and I just stare at the picture and like with my, you know, my muscle memory on the piano and stuff, it's just, it's always the same. It's not exciting yeah. for me. I don't think it's exciting for anyone to listen to either. <laughs> so right. that's, that's how I usually do it. All right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Dan, how about you? Well, I think, I, I don't know. I, when, when I, I think the, when I really start, it's when I see something like something real, like mm -hmm. like the the more usable thing that, like I do, or maybe maybe Milo agrees with me, maybe not. But I think I need to go to the set. I I mean I read the script and I I have a whole story in my head and and it's everything is like working perfectly and the music I'm thinking is amazing for the film I'm seeing in my head. That is absolutely different to what they're shooting in. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's really important to either go to the set or watch like dailies or or maybe like getting first cut, like really rough or like scenes or whatever. Because they when I like only like within the script for me, like it's it's great. It's a great like exercise and it's amazing. And I like try to write music and some of that music is amazing, but it's never on the film at the very end. So it's like, I know it's something that it's like, I'm just like getting into that world, but I'm really far away. So yeah, for yeah, me, I have to sense. see some real stuff. You know, I really like to go to the set. I actually, I, I love to go to the set to talk with the director, even when he's like, or she's like absolutely busy. And like, I want to be that like, yeah, just, but just to see some, yeah, just see something and, re, and you know, you're responding to images. Yeah. Just. Yeah. That's absolutely. Uh, Milo, how about yourself? Uh, it's kind of the same. I need to see the actors. You know? mm. I cannot do it with the script. The script, you know, it's so vague. You know, it's, I don't know. I need the actors, but in my case, change all the time. Sometimes it's, a, I, I think a chord and that chord, you know, drive me to another thing and another thing and another thing. And in some point, probably without piano, like Kevin, you know, probably just thinking about it. And then when I just sit in the piano, I have that chord and I have another chord. And 
you know, the result of that is, okay, it is score here. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I add something like dread, like sure. about, like about me and Milo, we just like today, this, this it's been a great day. We, we spent the whole week that working on a new Netflix show and we sent all the music today and we spent like the whole week thinking and talking about exact same thing. We are all talking like, how do we start? What yeah. are we going to do? And let's try to do something because we don't have much like stuff and for, for that show, just a few right. like clips, like two minutes clips and stuff like that. So we've been struggling with this like the whole week. And like a few half hour ago, the producers sent us an amazing email saying like everything was a great, amazing and they love it. And so, yeah, th this is a good day. And And I just wanted to tell you that. That's no, celebrate that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Been, it's, I mean, that's probably the most nerve wracking thing when you hit that send button and then you're just waiting for the feedback, you know? For me, the whole week is unbearable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah, for everybody in my my house know that I would be <laughs> nervous the whole week. Even with like, we did it like so, like a few times. I, but every single time it's like, oh, this is not good enough or whatever, you know, like, yeah, it's that, that nervousness, what, what we all love about this, I think. And I, I yeah. see that everybody is like nodding because it's, yeah, I think it, we all feel the same thing. Yeah, I think people need to realize how vulnerable it is to, to write and to, you're putting so much of yourself in the music, everybody does. So when you're sharing it with somebody, that's like you're opening up yourself, you know, emotionally. It's, it's, it's a scary thing, you know, it's for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I consider myself like a mix of an extrovert introvert, but you know, I, I don't like exposing myself too much, but it's like when you're creating, that's all you have to do. That's how you connect with other people around the world is sharing and connecting on a human level. But that's amazing. Congratulations on the good feedback. No, it's a good day. Sometimes it doesn't work like this, but it, today it was good. All right. Well, uh, let's go over to Waisan. Waisan, how do you start a project? Where does the first note come from for you? Where, where do you like to, what's your starting point? Um, it depends, but usually I want to, uh, I'm trying to find a unique tone, like a sonic mm. palette, other than melody, because I feel like it has to find a tone that is right for the whole film, or stories, or the, the color of the film. So that's mm. usually my first step. Yeah, yeah no, that makes sense, because you know, finding the, the tone and atmosphere can completely set you on a different path than you know starting with a melody that may not work for that world for sure 100 percent um yeah. but sandra how about you how where do you where do you start for that first for idea sure. of inspiration i guess yeah it's a little it's like a hybrid of what kevin and what dan said in a way and by the way dan and milo congrats on because i i know the feeling <laughs> like you send stuff and like especially it's like the first, if it's the first time sending something for a for a new project it can be like super nerve-wracking nerve so uh yeah congrats guys um but yeah i mean it's it's like if if i'm you know uh if if i get hired uh, and i you know, super early and I can get the script. That's great because I, I like writing scripts, like I said, and, yeah. um, and I love uh, reading scripts. And, um, you know, I'm not going to develop music on, by only reading the script, but I might just have an idea. I mean, I, I can I can start thinking about, you know, the story and, you know, what implications, your musical implications, the, the story is, is giving me. Um, and and then I might have a, you know write a melody that could or could not work at the end it, it, it sometimes makes makes it to the final product sometimes it doesn't yeah. but uh but when it comes to like 
textures, you know, the concept, the musical concept, the palette, you know, like Waysan said. Um, yeah, that comes when I start seeing like more of a, you know, finished product, you know, more of a, uh, an edited, you know, like a fine cut, you know, if I have to start on a fine cut, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Um, if I, if I can like actually write to picture when I have the lock, that's the best, just because like you see what the scene's going to be, what the performances are, what takes they show, they chose, you know, and that, that tells a lot about where where a film ends up going, you know, like, like they say yeah. that, that you make, you make three films, like one, when you write it, one, another sh <laughs> film, when you shoot it, another film, when you edit it. So like, you know, like American beauty, like it was, it was like a more of a procedural, you know, courthouse thing when they, in the script, you know, and, and they even shot it that way. And then they, in the edit, they, it became this whole other thing that that's a masterpiece. So, you know, if, you know, going back to the idea of all of us, you know, being an, in a team with the rest of the of the crew, you know, and the filmmakers, you know, it's like only when you see the the film edited, you can actually like know which way everyone's rowing towards, and like you can like, you know, do your do your bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, this is going to be open to anyone who wants to jump in. I'm just wanting to pitch this question to everybody. You know, we've seen the worldwide buzz with Squid Game, Casa de Papel, and of course, all of your projects. Uh, how do you see the landscape of international filmmaking evolve? Uh, how has streaming, I guess, helped these stories come to a wider audience? Or do you feel that's the case? Or maybe it's something else? Like what, from your viewpoints, what has uh, happened to make these stories, worldwide stories, international stories, more popular? Um. I'm sorry. Go yeah, for it. Jump on. You wanna, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, no, I'm, I'm just going to say um, I'm, I'm happy that there are these uh, outlets that have complete, completely changed the way, um, you know, I don't want to say content because I don't like that word, uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, stories, the way stories are, are, are told and, and the way they are distributed. And in a way, like, the same way YouTube kind of broke all of these uh, perceptions that, you know, like there were, there were gatekeepers who, who, who would say would have these requirements of how yeah. someone needed to look or sound and blah, 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 in order to even like get a, a deal to record music. Now, like in YouTube, it's like anyone can, can be, have a, has a chance to become famous, you know, and then, yeah. and then the people decide who they like and who they don't, you know, and who becomes popular i mean yeah there there there's uh investment in in you know marketing blah 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 whatever you want but but at the same time you know there there's more opportunity and i think like with with netflix and with uh hulu and you know streaming services there's uh there's an outlet that that tends to be even more you know diverse there's more opportunity for different kinds of 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 voices and and i feel that that in that way you know like for instance this uh, idea that that American people don't want to read subtitles has kind of been debunked, you know, like, you know, like you said, and, and, and documentaries from other countries and, and French films and a, a lot of things that, that have become like really popular in yeah. these uh, streaming sites and, and, you know, so. Or just yeah. looking at Parasite recently winning Best Picture. I mean, just, that's fantastic. I mean, it's just, there's so many stories being told that haven't been yeah, exactly. Exposed to the 
to the wider audience. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Anybody... that's a, that's a direct consequence of 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 this opening up and like and the amount of of stories being told, the amount of films and 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 um um you know uh, a series, you know TV shows and web series, you know that have had the the capacity of like seeing the light of day because there's there are so many so many outlets you know and and then it's up to people to decide you know what they want to watch and and you know what kind of content uh they like yeah i think is that what you just said kai i think it's exposure because you mm. know I, i was just talking to a good friend from netflix and he was saying how like surprised they were aware of like the massive hit that squid game was for example and how he like kind of right. came out of nowhere And yeah. I think that that talks about like this kind of hunger for like cool original ideas, regardless of what language they are on. You know, it can be in yeah. French and Japanese and German and Spanish. It doesn't really matter anymore. And I think the fact that all these streaming services are kind of pushing for all this cool new content and putting it in front of people that is just like exactly right next to whatever, you know, content you're creating in the UK and here in the US. It's almost like validating that content and being like, hey, like, check it out. And when people do, they if it's good, they'll gravitate towards it, which I think is freaking cool, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think also it's like really interesting that it's like the production, it's also like worldwide now. Like we yeah, like it's not only like not all the things are happening in like in America now, like the, it's only like they are producing stuff in like like in, in France and we all watch it everywhere. But also, like the like the teams are getting a little bit more like spread. Like we yeah. we've been working for last year for a show in Germany a few years ago in a show in a show in in, in Turkish like in, in Turkish show like from Turkey. Like it's it's like it's it's more like it's easy to share and to create together. Like the pandemic also helped this. Like these kind of things that we can get together if, even we even we we are not in the same like city or whatever. And we can like, I don't know, like review things. We can record remotely. Like it's been like recording remotely has been there for, for a long time. But now it's like we got used to, like the last two yeah. years we got used to because there was no other, other way to do it. So now like recording in Budapest is like, okay, yeah, of course. It's not like right. that, that. that's not like, it's not like because it's cheap or because it's not that good because you don't have the money to do it here or whatever. Like we did right. the whole music of, of Maradona, the show about Maradona, he's an Argentinian soccer player. And we did everything with the orchestra of the Teatro Colón in Buenos Aires. So the players were like watching the, 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 the name of the cues and they were like, okay, I want to know what's happening. So like everything is a little bit more closer now because of not only like the audience, but also like the production part. I think it's it's from everywhere now. Yeah, no, 100%. I think uh, I, I, I was in Los Angeles. I moved back. I'm from Maryland originally. I moved back home. So I'm still working at Cartoon Network Studios because we're all remote. I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, you don't have to be in Los Angeles and Hollywood. And I think that people should know that people are probably like, oh, I need to move there to make a career and do that. But it's possible. 100%. It's, it probably helps to make connections when you're there. But it's possible to have a career anywhere in the world, I think today. And I think our new reality of working remote is, you know, is putting everyone on the same playing field for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to jump around for one more question for everyone, because I want to know, you know, you, you put so much passion and, and, and heart into what you do. So I'm curious, what is the most fulfilling part of your job? What is the most creatively rewarding part of 
what you do for your for your living? Was it is it writing that first note? Is it hearing your music come alive with an orchestra? I mean, what what for you is like the most creative, rewarding part for it? So we can uh, go start with Kevin again. Uh, when you're done. <laughs> no, I know that uh, feeling. <laughs> no, yes, at the beginning, at the end. No, um, I think I think it's like that when you get when you have the time to to kind of explore a sound palette a little bit, and mm. yeah. uh, and you kind of like sometimes I like discover things that I didn't think were gonna work for a project, and I just like you know throw them into how it works, and it's like oh that's interesting I've never done that it works really cool I like that feeling I like kind of discovering new ways how music can affect picture, um, that is very fun and obviously which I think anyone's gonna agree when you record, when you write an orchestra score and you hear it back with an orchestra and having all the amount of like talent, that is priceless. That's yeah. Priceless. I think that's what everybody strives for. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, <laughs> is, you know, that's every, there's a reason why we all love that, you know, but um, yeah. yeah, those probably, those two moments for me are probably the most, the most fun. All right. Uh, Dan, how about you? Yeah, I think it is. there's one moment that we all will share that is when musicians come, you know, like even if it's yeah. just one guy, you know, like when music is start to get like, like, sounds like like humans not like as the, <laughs> the contact samples but the other one that i really like is like going to the dub and because the, i have i cannot do anything it's like okay it's all if it's good it's good but if it's not i I'm, it's not it's not in my hands now so i have to go there and enjoy it because there's nothing i can do about it and it's like really for me it's relaxing even when like i know that i, I could make things better or whatever I, I love being in the, in the dub and saying, okay, this kind of, this works or not, but I, I don't yeah. know, <laughs> but it's nothing I can do about it. Absolutely. I like not uh, doing anything. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's actually, we'll finish up this question with Waysan. Waysan, how about uh, you finish us off with this? And then we have one more question for everybody. So Waysan. Uh, I think for me, it's like, um, when I create something that surprises myself, like, oh, I didn't know I have this. And then um, the other moment for, for film combos is like when the director, they like the score, they love the score, but they also pointed out why they like it. And mm -hmm. it was exactly when thinking when I'm writing this, that, that means like, oh, I really understand their film and they really get my music. I think that's the most fulfilling thing. Absolutely, no, 100%. I mean, that's, they have the feedback, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So, uh, you know, we're I, I, I don't want to keep you guys too long. I want to wrap up with this one final question. Uh, you know, we have you've followed in footsteps of people who have come before you. You're carving your own path, and I know every path is different. There's no set path on how to do this career. But if you had to give one piece of advice to the next generation of of, of composers, of storytellers, uh, what would that one piece of advice be? And we can start with uh, Sandro, please. To if you were to give the next generation that one piece of advice, what would it be? Mm, well, it's hard to give just one. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say be persistent. You know, mm. there, it's a it's a career of resistance. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of re rejection along the way, and you just have to be persistent. And the other thing is just like be unique. You know, the only thing that's gonna get you through is just having your own voice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan, how about you? Piece of advice. Uh, I would say I was uh, finished with the same, the first thing I said, like be part of a team, like enjoy yeah. being part of a team, like enjoy, like everybody has something to make your thing better. Like if you have a musician there, ask him, 
like mm. what, what, how you wrote it, whatever, he can make your music better. So like you have to take advantage of that. And that's like with everybody in the whole production. So yeah, be part of them and be a better team player. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin, how about you? One piece of advice. Um, I'd say uh, build meaningful relationships. And what yes. I mean by that is, you know, I see a lot of people kind of, you know, trying to get to know people and trying to, you know, get ahead in the game. But it's it's very like cold and almost like, you know, nobody wants to be just the guy that can like sign a check. I right. feel like if you make an extra effort to try and create meaningful relationships with other artists, filmmakers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, not only will that nurture you as a human, as a creative, but also they will feel good. And also creatively, I think the interaction is usually better and allows to do things that sometimes it's not quite as easy. If there's, you know, kind of that coldness of this is just a business transaction, at least the way I work, that, that, that has helped. Yeah. And I definitely networking. I agree with that completely. And I don't envy people coming into this business at, at this time because this makes it so much harder to network. We know doing this, we, I think we right. have all our connections and we take it for granted now because we've yeah. had times to mingle at parties and all these events right. and stuff. But I, I do when things are back to normal, hopefully very soon, I, I urge anybody to go out there and just put yourself out there meet people, shake hands and and learn and ask ask people about themselves don't make it about you trying to sell yourself i think it's just you know talking and being you yeah know, for, make for sure. an effort make an effort to get to know people really rather yes. than just like seeing what they can get from them you know exactly 100 yeah. percent um uh, enjoy no? yeah enjoy and like that, this is it's also really important it's an amazing, amazing job we have the like so enjoying it is really important that too you have to enjoy what you do for sure um, Waisan, how about you take us home? What is, what is one piece of advice to give to the next generation? I think everyone mentioned it already. <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, yourself. embrace yourself, then embrace yourself because it's a, it's a tough business. So yeah. I mean, be unique, but be prepared. Yes, definitely. Definitely be prepared. It's a, it is a tough business, but I think I've, I've seen that passion and, and it really pushes through and people who are passionate and work hard, things will happen for sure. So don't, don't give up. That's, that's what I would say. Don't, don't, don't give up, <laughs> but uh, we come to the end of our panel tonight. I want to thank you all for sharing all your stories. It was just so enlightening and, and just amazing from, from all of you hearing all about your backgrounds, your stories and all of it. congratulations on your projects. Um, thank you. It, to, to everybody who's joining us and listening, I want to thank Impact 24 PR for helping coordinate this and put this together. We have two more panels in this series. Please visit filmmusicmedia.com to check those out. Um, and have a great night, everybody. <laughs>